Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. I have no content, Mr. Burns. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna edit that in. Listening to Boku no Stop, a Mobius strip of garbage. I am your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is Matt Marcus. Fletcher. Why are you so excited, Fletcher? Because as of the time we start this, I have learned that about 30 minutes ago, Windows Update deleted all the encoded episodes of this show, and I get to start from scratch. The good news is they'll be twice as good. Yeah. Yeah, they will, because now I can work <laughs> in dark theme. Uh, this mm. is the uh, October 5th update? Yeah. Yeah. So, today we are discussing episode 11 and 12 of Neon Genesis Evangelion, and last time we talked about episodes 9 and 10, in which nothing happened at all. So, with that out of the way, let's get into today's <laughs> episode, starting with episode 11, In the Still Darkness. I, I keep trying to workshop a anime dies in darkness joke, but I just can't really... Not quite working well enough. Good news. When we get to the first character fatality of this series, someone will die in darkness. Oh, of course, because, you know. And that character's name is Democracy. (laughs) Wait, I mean, like, yes, this episode, by the way. I was about to say, that's literally what we're about to discuss. Funny you should mention that, because it turns out this is where Fuyutsuki reveals there's no local government in Tokyo 3, it's all the nerve supercomputers. Yeah, that's a surprise. Where where the hell did that come from? (laughs) Tokyo. I mean, you know they're supercomputers. Right, right, but like, this is the first we've heard of the the Magi, right? Oh, dude. They've been mentioned in passing, but no, it's it's next recording session. We're going to get to that. Yeah, next recording session, you'll find out how fucking stupid it is. Well, I mean, the only thing that they say in the next episode is, oh, they just say evacuate all the people. No, I oh, mean... No. Ne- ne- no, we uh, mean the next time we record. 13. Oh. Okay. Okay. Like all media, the dumbest thing happens in the entry named 13. <laughs> you know, funny also- you say that, because I just learned what happened in Hellraiser 10 last night. <laughs> uh... Also, Fiutsky's a real fucking uh, YouTube logic guy. It's really a city where science reigns supreme. Hey, do you know what happened in the last anime I watched where science reigned supreme in a city? A computer tried to fuck a robot. Hell yeah. Thanks, Cyborg009. Wait, um, okay. It's just did they Did they use episode. a Trojan horse, you know, just to be safe? Robots are also computers. That's just two computers <laughs> fucking. Well, no, it's a cyborg, so technically it's a part robot, part person. Ooh. Oh, okay. For what but, it's worth, the uh, cyborg was not having any of it. 
that makes it worse. Yeah, well, they <laughs> blew up the entire city. That makes it worse. <laughs> no, 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 it's cool, because the cyborgs got out. That makes it better? Yes. Fuck, yeah. I have to recapture the yes. Oh, no. I, it's gotta be somewhere. There's so, gotta be some place where you can just download Simpsons voice clips. Uh, you'd be amazed. Fox is really litigious. Anyway. Really? Tell Shocking. me more. I remember the days when they would take down Doom Total conversions of aliens. That's a real thing. Hmm. So aliens isn't that good. Why? This was also the 90s. Oh, before Nobody we knew, knew that aliens was bad and alien is where it's at? Eh, well. <laughs> Speaking of aliens being where it's at, Kaji gets in and he is the predator right now because, man, where <laughs> did you put your hand? Fucking Dude. A. In the elevator door! What the fuck? Yeah, that's not uh, representative of anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, also like, he, they definitely animate like an extra reaction out of him when Misato's just like, well, fuck you, buddy. He's like, yeah. Oh, you Ugh. wanna? In the yellow. Yeah, so Misato has a bad time this episode. Everyone has a bad time every episode, Matt. That's the fucking I know, point of the show. I, you know what? You know what? I've okay, but like, I keep hearing about an elevator scene when it comes to this anime, and there's just so many elevator scenes. Matt, and I, I, <laughs> that's in the movie. Stop. I know. Stop it's, I know about it's in the elevators. movie. I, I know it's in the movie, but it's just like, also, man, a lot of this show happens in elevators. Also, nothing. it happens outside an elevator. That's even more confusing. No, it'll oh. make sense. Uh, sure. Uh, okay, <laughs> so they're running tests on Unit Zero again. The uh, power is lower than they would like due to conversion issues. Uh, Shinji calls Gendo and says, Hey, at school we're doing this career interview thing. And Gendo says, I gave Mitsurugi authority over everything like this. Don't call me with this garbage ever again. And then hangs up. Well, no, he doesn't hang up. The phone gets cut off. Or even better. Yeah, well, it, and like he Shinji says later, like it sounded like it was a mechanical failure. We find out why because also we see that the uh, elevator has stopped, and also all the power has gone out in the entire city. But not just the power, but also the backup power and the backup backup power. <laughs> well, they do explicitly say that like only the old circuits are working, so it's like only mm -hmm. the computer shit. Yeah. And then they decide to reroute all the power into the Magi and Central Dogma. This is the first so time we heard about Central Dogma? Uh, I didn't catch the Central Dogma thing. Okay. Well, they were rerouting power to a place that they consider equally as important as the supercomputers that run literally everything. And more important than people on life support. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look, they have a lot of elderly people. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a central dogma now. Okay, I'm, I'm watching the episode right now just to... What if you stop watching the episode and participated in our podcast, <laughs> Matt? Fuck you, I'm participating. Really? Why aren't you reading this thing I highlighted? Because it wasn't well, highlighted in my... 
Because it wasn't highlighted in my color, Chris. You know my color. You picked it. That's the color it is when you highlight anything, asshole. No, it's not. The color you do is is like pink, and mine is like a goldenrod. Oh my god, I just realized that my color for the reading is the color of pomegranates, and I'm so happy. (laughs) Pomegranates are delicious. That's a reference that no one but me is going to enjoy, and my very put-upon wife. Anyhow. (laughs) Oh, it's a pear I was thinking of. I was thinking of the anal pear. What? The, the what? That incredible medieval torture device? I know <laughs> what that is, but wait, why uh, did that come to mind? Uh, well, because you were talking what? about mysterious fruits that only you would know why you enjoy them. Uh, the color of pomegranates is an old movie. Is it? Yes. Sounds great. Sounds very exciting. It is the most art film you can ever imagine. It is a visual tone poem that sums up the life of Syat Nova, a Turkish poet. Anyway. Great. Pears are ruined forever. I'm the only one who does. Oh, Matt, you should (sighs) look up an anal pear. No! No! no. (laughs) How about I don't? It's it's like a pear-sized thing you put in someone's butt, and then you turn a crank and it fucking opens and it's like full of spikes. And as it opens, it basically looks like a predator's mouth. Yeah, so, does. you know, there's that mental image. Yikes. <laughs> yikes, yikes, yikes. You're welcome. Speaking of, Boku oh. No Stop brought to you by The Predator, <laughs> failing in theaters now. <laughs> Wait, there's a new Predator movie? Am I really, like, that yeah. out of touch with this yeah. shit? Yeah. It looks Fuck awesome. Me. Oh, yeah. It came out and it had one of the worst debuts of a major film in history. It really? Beat the like... mummy. It beat The Mummy's record. Wow. That was, what, last year? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, boy. We seem to be hitting new lows every time. Yeah, the Mummy trailer and the Mummy video game were the best things about it. That Mummy trailer was unbelievable. <laughs> dive, dive, dive! There's Pan. Pan, 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 that was it. And then Tom Great, now I have to spice ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Matt, are you aware of this? Um, I, I, I swear I saw a trailer for The Mummy, but I don't remember it at all. Okay, but okay. you didn't see the right one. They uploaded one where it was, like, missing a couple audio channels. So, mm-hmm. like, all the weird, bassy audio bed you would expect isn't there. And it's Oh, so it sounds funny. really, so it sounds really terrible. It's basically just dialogue and a couple of sound effects. So you just hear, oh, no. pan, 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 and then... Tom Cruise is getting flung around an airplane, so it's just him screaming. He only screams once! They just repeat the same audio clip. Oh no, I'm gonna have to look this up later. (laughs) Oh, it's golden. Put it in the show notes. (laughs) I may splice it in because I know where to get that clip immediately. Pan, pan, pan! This is November 4, 0, 9 or 9 or...
All right, all right. So who's reading this shit? <laughs> who's me. next? Okay. You! I shamed you about it for like three minutes, you asshole! <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to kowtow to your bullshit. Well, you are. Anyhow. <laughs> no one can get back into Nerve from outside because the power's out and the card readers don't work and nobody knows how to hop turn styles like this is New York. It's worth noting that this is the pilots. Yeah, also, like, the reason why they can't hop it because there's a steel, like, door that's locked down and so they can't even, there's nothing to hop. You've never been to New York. Steel doors won't stop you if you need to get on the fucking L train. I mean, I've been to New yeah, York. Yeah, just, just get some fucking don't. jet fuel. <laughs> jet fuel can <sighs> melt steel doors. Good to know. <sighs> I, knew, I knew that was the setup. I saw it coming. Oh, jeez. Anyhow, we're using the elevator couple as uh, a bit of uh, exposition here because there are three power systems, main, sub, and backup. All of them are failing at the same time, and meanwhile, Gendo's like, that's inconceivable, we've been sabotaged. However, it would be very bad if an angel attacked right now. Cut to the just... military command room outside of Tokyo, where everyone's like, mm -hmm. there's an angel, ah, screw it, it's heading for Tokyo 3, Nerve's got this. That's literally what they do! They're, they're like, well, we want to do something, but like, there's no point, because the, the protocol is to wait till Nerve does something, and we can't reach them. Yeah, the pilots are uh, walking around trying to figure out if anything works. So they're trying all these doors. I don't even know where this is, but they're just trying to open these doors with their key cards and it's not working. They're really fucking dumb, by the way. Yeah, let's a little bit. Let's try the same thing at every door. Yeah, but how many would anyway. it take for you to say, hmm, maybe the power is out? Probably two at most. That's so many. What? Just saying this thing doesn't work? Maybe this device is broken. Let me try another the device. Lights oh, that's are not off. It's daylight. They're out in daylight. No, they're they inside. There's like a, uh, a glass ceiling. Yeah, yeah. The, so there is, I don't know. It's hard to tell that everything is off. Like, you'll see a few scenes later where, you know, dude's trying to walk across the street and like the stoplight goes out. It's like he wouldn't even notice if he wasn't looking at the stoplight because there's just no lights sure. out. All I'm saying is they try, like, four doors, then the yep. phones, and then try more doors. Yeah, no, it's too much. No, clearly too much. <laughs> At this point, Ray decides to pull out her uh, little emergency manual out of her, uh, out of her, was it purse, backpack? I don't, I don't know, whatever bag she's carrying, uh, which is cool. We haven't seen that before. And Shinji's like, what's that? <laughs> and Asuka's like, it's the emergency manual, you idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, well... Does he even have one? We haven't seen these before. This yeah, is completely and then he new. Takes it out. He does have one. Oh, jeez. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> dumb. That's just trying to tell the audience what that thing is that she just pulled out of her pocket. But uh, it's real dumb. So at this point, Shinji would be a la bad Linux user. But apparently, Fletch like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> see, I, I, I am not that computer literate, so. I, I know Dunky on Linux is a thing, but... The Linux community are asshole graybeards. Uh, uh -huh. Come at me. You're too old to come at me, by the way. Uh, where, when you ask for help, the response is the acronym RTFM, which stands for... Read the for fucking read manual. The fucking yeah, manual. <laughs> I've heard that before. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Anyway... But uh, the M yeah, is actually so man pages, which are manual pages. 
formatted the worst. Everybody likes reading documentation inside of a command prompt. Mm. Anyway, so at this point, Asuka says, well, we need to uh, appoint a leader for the group in order to get, you know, do this operation of getting back into the headquarters. And, you know, she, of course, nominates herself and nobody complains. And then basically this entire episode is Ray frustrating Asuka because she knows what to do and Asuka does not. It's true. She just transferred over. She doesn't know the structure. She's prepared for middle management. I know what to do, (laughs) even though I don't know anything. So she's the Peter principle made flesh, so to speak. Sure. I got that. See, okay, all right. Somebody somebody got the reference. Okay, good. You should know that you have just referenced my personal Hitler, so yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At any rate, Ray says we should take Route 7, and they find a door with a the huge manual oh, crank. No, no. You, you skipped over my favorite scene, which is Gendo and Fuyutsuki in the command center. Because... <laughs> Yeah, with their cult candles. Yeah, they're they're sitting in there. There's no power. Uh huh. They're talking about how this is definitely deliberate sabotage because right. nothing could have killed all the power at once. Yep. And we hear some of the bridge crew talking, and it's like, "Wow, he's so cool and collected, <laughs> and his feet are <laughs> sitting this. in the fire bucket because that's how he's staying cool." While all the AC is out. Oh, I didn't see the fire bucket thing. I just thought that they were just like, I don't know, being weird and, no, and stoic. He, they both have it. And that's when he says it's lukewarm. lukewarm. He's fucking complaining about the water. Yeah, it's, it's uh, starting to get hot even in the water. Ah, uh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, yeah, because like my, my point was like, they look over, like, they look over, they see the dudes like just standing there. And Gendo is just in that pose with his hands together, like his face leaning on it. Because like, like that's yeah. the one. Like he's always in that position. Like he walks that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's... a great mental image. <laughs> oh, GG. <laughs> My favorite thing is that all these candles are providing like no light at all. Well, I mean, candlelight is like not super strong light, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's why we don't use candles. They're fucking bad. <laughs> They're good for mood lighting, though. They're good for they're good for mood lighting and if you're all Wiccan. And also if you want the place to smell nicer. No, what's the it's point true. of that? Spray chemicals yeah. in your house, it's okay. Yeah, I, no. <laughs> how, how about I don't do that? <laughs> chemicals would burn. Mm. All souls did burn then. Anyhow. So yeah, crank door. Um Shinji cranks it. That, that's about it. <laughs> Did you laugh at your own joke? Was that you that went? No, no, that, that was that me. One, that was Fletcher. Okay. <laughs> he said Shinji cranks it, and all I could immediately do was choke on my drink. Uh huh. <laughs> I had to try really hard to deny laughing at the joke. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, it's accurate, right? Saving audio in, now. <laughs> in the same way that all males crank it. Yes, it is accurate. <laughs> wait, wait, in front of two fully clothed girls? That's how Hell you normally yeah. crank it in public? Hell yeah. That was my first threesome. I'm learning way too much about you now that I'm podcasting for like six months now. 
Yeah, so like we basically get like a like a cut of like all of our no nerve characters like trying to trying to figure out what's going on. Like Gav Hayuga trying to like that. What is it? Like somebody like hijacks a car, like hijacks like a a van, like, like one of the political vans. Yeah, yep. yeah, and like Masato and Kaji are still stuck in the elevator, and uh, it's very hot in there, and so like Masato's like trying to like cool off like by like you know pulling her shirt out or whatever and kaji's like well why don't you just take your clothes off it's not like i haven't seen it before and i'm like you fucking creep stop it uh gross anyway the kids they are going through the corridors they hear the uh politician's car driving by because they still have the horns blaring for some reason or is it oh it's saying it's an angel out there there's an angel yeah how you guess paul revere in it yep yep Two if by air, or was it one? <laughs> no, it'd be three if by air, right? It was uh, neither of those because that's just a fiction. That that's why I was going to say three because Jesus, Chris, they're crawling through a vent. Asuka says, "Hey, let's go that way," and Ray's like, mm, "We should go the other way." And Asuka's like, "No, I'm pulling rank. We're going this way." And they, she opens up a door, and it's to the outside, and angel's right there and so she closes it in a panic and says yep there there is an angel out there visually confirmed the enemy (laughs) (laughs) for what it's worth i love the design of this one because it looks like dr zinn's robots from johnny quest yeah it does yeah yes it's like a giant daddy long legs with a bunch of eyes on it yeah Ayuga manages to make it to the command center I, i they don't show how but i guess that's not important um, well, he until, drives the fucking car into it. Does it. Is that what it was? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Oh, geez. I should like the actually be playing this. The into the command center. Yeah. So now uh, the people in Nerve, they know there's an angel. Oh, no. It's a problem. Gendo begins starting the manual Ava launch process. Yep. The pilots finally make their way down and the entry plugs are put in using pulleys this time. Luckily... The pilots fall into this room through a duct system. And not into the lake of coolant or whatever the fuck. At this point, we should probably mention that the manual power supply for the Avas are gasoline. Well, no, they load emergency batteries into the Ava. Like, they had charged emergency batteries. Well, I mean, there's definitely, like, I I think there is, like, a mention of gasoline generator. Yeah, he uses the uh, diesel engine to power the thing that twists the entry plug in. That might be what I was mistaken. My bad. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Also, there's some fucking serious battery bloat. Like, in next episode, the batteries are five minutes. Well, I thought it was always five minutes. Three. it used to be two. Oh. Oh. Interesting. And then it was three when they were in the ocean. So they're getting better. That's nice. Yeah. It's plot Mm -hmm. bloat. (laughs) Yeah, so but uh, the important part of like all this manual stuff is that when the, you know, when the kids make it there and said, "Hey, are we? How are we going to be piloting the Avas? Everything's dark." He's like, "Well, we did it manually." And Shinji sees Gendo helping out, pulling on, uh, pulling on some cables and shit. So, and he's like, "Oh, this was Gendo's idea to do this manually, get this prepared because they he knew that you would show up," which is like probably what the first inkling in the entire show that Gendo like kind of trusts or like has any feeling towards Shinji other than 
Fuck you, you little shit. The Avas push off the restraints. Uh, they start climbing through, crawling through the uh, human-sized corridors like the pilots did through all the air ducts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they start climbing up a vertical shaft until some acid falls down the shaft, which, like, melts the fuck out of their armor. And uh, we get a shot of it basically seeping out of this angel's eye uh, directly over a vertical shaft down into the geo front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when Asuka comes up her, with her plan. Uh, one of the pilots will use their AT field to protect the other two. Uh, the backup will go and retrieve the rifles that all three of them dropped when the uh, units fell down the shaft due to the acid. And the offensive will fire mm-hmm. up the angel. Asuka is going to be the defensive player because she doesn't want to be indebted to Shinji for last time. Uh, Shinji will be the shooter and Ray will get the rifle. The plan works flawlessly, and the angels defeated. Yep, pretty much. So, of course, the instant power comes back on, everyone finds Kaji and Masato in a compromising position in the elevator. Yep. Of course. It's like Mm -hmm. the most low-energy gag. Yeah, which kind of pairs with this pretty low-energy angel fight, all things considered. Have you noticed yeah. the angel fights get much shorter as time goes on? Yeah, I'm noticing that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, that that sort of thing just kind of happens, because I guess, like, well, for one thing, money. I, I guess money is probably the biggest for reason the why. the only thing. Money. <laughs> well, I was going to yeah. say, like, they're spending more time on character stuff, which is which is fine, I guess. I mean, like, like look, like, I'm in, like, I'm just about to finish... Uh, Sailor Moon Supers. I I posted that. <laughs> Fletch knows about this. Like like the 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 monster battles in that have like done the same thing where it's just they're so short they're just like yeah yeah fuck that guy like we're just not going to spend a lot of time on the fight who cares because that's be not fair, what's important it's because we're you know one hundred and sixty something episodes in and uh-huh. we're also doing Monster of the Week so often that they've run out of formula yeah yeah. Pretty much. They're just like, let's draw a funny monster and then just have it die immediately. What can we put boobs on? How weird can we make it? Yeah, that's that's an accurate description of, of a Sailor Moon monster. Because this is a season past the sexy tennis shoe. Yeah, it's like 60 episodes since then. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. We were already hitting the bottom of the barrel then, and we've gone beyond. <laughs> the bottom of the barrel? <laughs> yeah, it's the soul. Uh, eh, Jesus. Are you looking forward to the Sailor Moon Sailor Moon reboot with diegetic advertising? It'll be the sexy Jordan monster. And we're going to start talking about episode 12, The Value of a Miracle. Let's cut back 15 years ago to the brief time in history known as 2000 AD. There's a flash at the South Pole. A man is struggling through a windstorm in a very sketchy design. The sky is red. An outline rises out of the ground in a very Ava-like form. A man is now bleeding as he lays young Misato into some kind of escape pod. Her only word is father, and he shuts it. A hurricane-style cloud just devours the South Pole, and you hear screeching as wings of light emerge from whatever that beast is. The The eye of the hurricane. Escape pod, entry mm. plug, whatever, is adrift on the ocean, and the last thing we see is the cross necklace on the child. Mm-hmm. Cut to modern day. Yep. So, Ida and Toji 
escape the rain to uh, Shinji's apartment, really Masato's apartment. The boys are like, hey, uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, let us in. Uh, Asuka sees them and be like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm changing. Leave me alone. Don't think about me naked. <laughs> Which is like an easy way to, you know, make people think about you naked. And I use that line all the time at work, which is why I have multiple HR issues. I don't think that's the reason why. <laughs> it's not the only reason why. We know one of the reasons why. <laughs> yeah, okay. The, yeah, the sheriff incident was a thing. Too. <laughs> the sheriff incident. You had to explain this now because we're on a podcast, not on our slide. <laughs> no, I think I do actually have to explain the time that my autocorrect turned the howdy in one of my emails to all our executives into howdy, I'm the sheriff of sucking you off. Like I said, which is why two years later, I am still referred to in office as the sheriff. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So Masato comes out, says, oh, hey, what's up? And uh, both of the boys notice a uh, pin on her lapel, like on her jacket. And they say, oh, man, you've been congrats on your promotion. You're now a major, huh? And Shinji's like what now? And then Asuka's like, what now? They're like, didn't you notice she got promoted? Isn't that a, like, how did you guys not even know that? You're with her all the time. And and they say, fuck you, it's not my job to be psychic, you dick. <laughs> it's also, it must have just happened, like, the night before, because you know, you'd think that'd be something they would have heard throughout, like, in doing their testings and shit and going to Nerve, but I guess it just happened. Like no I way. said, this is what happens when Masato gets sober. Yep, yep. So she's been made major, and is it at this point we find out that she's basically in charge of Nerve for now? Uh, because but, Gendo and Fuyutsuki are away. Never knew that other guy's name. What? Yeah. They say it all the time. It's just, I that one has not stuck. <laughs> Why do you remember Hayuga, not Fuyutsuki? He's the, he's the, well, it's because that's what's in the notes, Chris. Somebody wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Fuyutsuki. remember it. His name's been in this three times already. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, I just think of like, oh, that's that's uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, hanging out with Gendo. What a depressing reality where you relate everything to Star Wars. He still looks better than the actual digital Grand Moff Tarkin. Well, sure. Does Star Wait, hold on. Hold on. Guys, does Star Wars need to be more anime? Yes. Star Wars definitely went full anime with Last Jedi. Look at that mirror sequence. I've never, I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list. Okay, there's a sequence where a character has a monologue to themselves with a hall of mirrors that comes to absolutely nothing. And it's Uh one of the most anime things I've ever seen in live action. I literally watched the episode with like the mirror sequence uh, in the Dark Moon Circus last night. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's very much that because it is still a female character doing it. The harmonics. And uh, Shinji has a huge point game. Uh, Ritsuko gives him some praise for it. Asuka gets mad about that. Uh, and then Shinji and Masato are talking in the car ride home. Uh, seriously, Asuka not there, even though they live in the same place. I guarantee she stomped off and is pouting somewhere, which is why. But yeah, you're right. She did stop off. Uh, he He's talking to M- Misato about the praise, and he says, it made Asuka mad. 
I wonder what I did wrong. And Masada says, you're bothered by this because all you ever do is worry what other people think. Also, it's not his fault. <laughs> like, that's the other thing is he's internalizing. Anyway, th this episode, I think the, the best thing about this episode is the Masato Shinji stuff. And it really starts here talking about how uh, I don't really like being praised. I don't really get it. You know, why, why do you do the things you do? But also, uh, this entire time, uh, there's a radio DJ, you know. It's very distracting that the subtitles are also up top. Yes, yes. But also, like, they're saying, hey, man, it's too bad you got dumped and all. But back in my day, you know, we were so, like, fighting to survive that we couldn't even think about, you know, trying to date other people. So who cares? Get over it. You know what the best part of this is? That radio DJ is also the Magi. No, really? No, I'm fucking around. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would I be... I tell you Ugh. my favorite, just on the subject of DJs and computers, my favorite stupid fan theory about Burnout Paradise? Go ahead. Have you Proceed. ever played the game? Are you familiar? No. I know it's a car it's a big, you drive, It's right? a big open world city with car events, destruction, etc. But there is one DJ who is commenting over the radio to you. And I like someone who just pitched, DJ Atomica is the last person alive on this island where our cars have become sentient and are destroying things, and mm -hmm. he's just broadcasting from a bunker as he slowly goes mad. I want That's that pretty fun. <laughs> it's effectively canon. Burnout series ended there. There you go. Also, it explains why he wasn't in the SSX games after three. So, yeah. Oh, Wait, boy. so the Burnout, Burnout, and SSX are in the same universe. DJ Atomica is in both SSX three and Burnout Paradise. Go figure. I did not know that. What's your yeah. life like when you're a grown adult man who refers to yourself as DJ Atomica? To be fair, probably just a random EA employee on the set. I hope so. I hope so. Because, like, that's the thing you think about, right? Like, Skrillex is going to be an adult one day. Skrillex is going to be in Kingdom Hearts this year. Oh, that, shit. That's right. That is the dumb most... Oh, my God. <laughs> I have so many feelings about that. <laughs> the crossover oh, no one ever wanted. When they get back... When we cut, we cut back to the apartment, and Ida, Toji... Uh, I guess it's also Asuka and the class rep are throwing a party for her, you know, for her promotion. And congratulations! You know, while while this is party's, <laughs> uh, I I know that's a reference. I know the reference. <laughs> this time Good for you, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, like party's going on. People are arguing. You know, the kids are arguing with each other because that's what they do. And uh, also, it's Masato's, a sound you know, loop. I recognize that because just intermittently oh, hear some penguin screams. Yeah, no, it's just like the subtitles don't even bother to try to translate it. So it's like whatever. Yeah, it's a loop. Um, it's like a five second loop. It's very annoying. But while that's happening, Masato uh, looks over to Shinji and she asks him, uh, hey, are you doing all right? Like, and he's like, well, I'm just not used to so many people being around. It's really noisy. And. They sort of had this little side conversation talking about like, hey, aren't you um, aren't you happy? Like, you don't seem very happy that you've been promoted. She's like, I, I am a little bit, but 
you know, she was she didn't join Nerve for the recognition. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like the whole point of the episode is trying to find out like what is it that's driving Masato to do what she does. And like I really like this moment. Like between this and the car ride home, like it's showing that like both Shinji and Masato have like I want to say like decent emotional intelligence because like a lot of people just don't notice this of each other right like i think like the other like the two boys don't really notice that masato just isn't putting a lot of weight into her promotion and you know all all that sort of things like i of course they're just in love with her that's really the reason why is because they you know teenage horny teenage boys but you know the two of them they they have a kind of connection. They seem to understand each other in a way that I think is actually really good character writing. So here's the point where you picked it out. So let's just explicitly highlight it because it will become a huge point later in that Mm -hmm. no one notices except for Shinji because Shinji is only focused on how he relates to other people and their perception Mm -hmm. of him and what that makes him through the lens of other people. Right. Like he constructs his identity right. through what other people think of him. And Asuka is explicitly just inwardly focused all the time. Yeah, no. And like every time somebody else gets like, you know, Asuka makes it always about herself. Like she always inserts herself into everything. Like that's there's a certain amount of like childish narcissism to that where, you know, oh, you're getting praised. Why aren't you praising me? You know? Yeah. Or like I, I, I still have a higher sync score. What's the deal? You know, why are you giving him, like, kudos? It's like, well, it's not about you <laughs> in this time. Just let it go. Uh, did we talk about the mental com- contamination thing during the harmonics test? Um, No, we did not. Well, they talk about it here. Because that's what they're doing, right? They're, like, simulating plug depth, plug depth and seeing how they hold up while approaching the mm-hmm. mental contamination borderline. Yeah, and they say that um I think I think they say out of the two out of the three pilots Shinji per- is performing the best on that re- in that regard. That'll come up again very shortly, which is why oh, I like Oh it. yeah, there there's a really poignant line where um one of the dudes, I forget which one, says uh it's like he was born to pilot the Ava and I'm like ding. <laughs> there's that's going to be important. <laughs> The show is, like, clearly aware that it needs to make a transition into only being about characters, because, like, it's very obvious they don't have any money now. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, seems like... So, the, the class rep's really only there because Asuka invited, uh, invited her there, because apparently they're friends now. And, uh... The fucking only person in the show who's not a real character. Uh-huh. And, like, does she have a name? I don't even know her name. No, her name is Class Rep! Jeez. So, but, they're, you know, they're gossiping. They're like, oh, hey, Mr. Kaji's going to be here soon. I invited him. Uh, where is he? And then he shows up with uh, Ritsuko. And uh, both Masato and uh, Asuka are uh, bothered by this. Because they're both jealous for reasons that are ridiculous. And I think this is the point where Kaji says, oh, hey, by the way, uh, since the other two guys are out of town, you're in charge, huh? Isn't that great? Speaking of the other two guys, let's go to the South Pole on a UN tanker ship. The sea is blood red. Ice is emerging from it. Fuyutsuki claims that nothing can live here, referring to it as hell. And Gendo says we're here because of science. 
But Yutsuki's response is, you know, that's the kind of arrogance that caused Second Impact, which you were at, you dick. Mm-hmm. No, 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 this is a purified realm, according to Gendo. And Fuyutsuki would prefer a land where things can live, even if they are stained with sin. Meanwhile, some guy elsewhere on the boat is like, Hey, uh, there's an angel above the Indian Ocean. Uh. Mm. And we cut up to a giant angel in space. Imagine a butterfly whose body is just an eyeball. Nerve starts taking a look at it with multiple satellites, and it projects its AT field from a vast distance to just smash these things. It then fires a piece of itself off and the kinetic energy of launching from orbit turns it into a bomb's impact. So, it's adjusting its targeting and slowly zooming in on Nerve. N2 aerial mines, which, remember, N2 mines are nukes, have no effect. Anyhow, uh, they think it's going to drop its entire body next, which will cause an explosion that will A, do massive damage to the landscape, and B, merge some lakes with the ocean, flooding Nerve. So Ritsko is mad at Misato for her plan and says it will throw away all three Avas. Uh, Misato says, fuck you, I'm in charge, I got promoted, and I will carry out my duty of destroying the angels. Ritsko accuses her of this being a personal vendetta, not just her executing her duty. Yeah, which is which is interesting because, you know, what we know of Misato at this point is that she likes, you know, going for these really risky, you know, low percentage of success plans all the time. And you think it's because she's confident and she knows that she has to do it. But now that could be tinged with an idea of that she's doing this because she needs to feels like she needs to do everything she can to get back at the angels. But it's interesting. It adds a little bit more color to her motivations uh, up to this point, which, I, which is why I think it's interesting so the plan was for the avas to maximize their at field output and catch it with their hands and if they're able to do that they should be able to at least stop it from i guess maximum impact so if they uh, miscalculate the angel's landing point or the avas cannot withstand the impact they are sol so Masato decides hey you know we're probably all gonna die and everything but uh hey i will buy you some steak Teens love steak. If if <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the thing. As soon as she leaves, like Asuka and Shinji are just like, is is that supposed to be impressive? Like, what's a steak? <laughs> like, why are we supposed to care about steak? And then, uh, oh god, Ray says like, oh yeah, I I wouldn't go because I don't like meat. And, Hilariously oh. enough, uh, they actually do focus briefly and rebuild on more talk about the environment and what animals are alive after Second Impact. There's a whole scene in a weird zoo. So the pilots are in the elevator heading towards the Avas, and Shinji asks Asuka why she pilots, and she says, to show my talent to the world, and he replies, uh, oh, so like, to prove that you exist, and she's like, yeah, something like that. Yeah, and Asuka says, hey, why? well, why do you do that? And he's like, well, I don't know, and she's like, well, that's dumb. And she also says, like, hey, have you asked Ray, and he's like, yeah, I already asked her that, and I already know the answer, and she's like, oh, and that's something, and he's like, no, it's not like that, which, good for him. <laughs> he doesn't get riled up by it. So now it's flashback time. Misato's father was a researcher who cared only about science, ignored his family, and just ran away from any obligations he had by using his research as a cover. 
Shinji, upon finding this out, relates to this and feels he understands Misato more. However, the last thing he did, which we saw in the opening of the episode, was save her from Second Impact, which she proceeded to kind of throw away by joining Nerve in a vengeance mission against the angels who destroyed her emotionally dead father. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of important to note that she feels, in a way, that he's sort of haunting her because of this final act of, uh, of compassion in saving her life. Yeah, like she explicitly calls out, when I get revenge, I'll be free of him. Yeah, so it, she's still like ambivalent about how she feels about him, which I think is should be how you should feel about someone like that. It's how you should feel about all your family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, a brief two-minute scene that counts as the angel battle for the end of the episode. The operations begin. They throw the Avas out with batteries. These have five minutes. Shinji breaks the sound barrier sprinting so fast he's getting so used to the robot. It's very good. Mm-hmm. And he deploys the AT field and catches. The force of the impact shoves his Ava down into the ground, but he actually decides to be proactive, rips a hole in the enemy's AT field, and shanks it in the eye, killing it. Well, Worth noting, the other Ava show up and grab well, it. That way he has free hands. I think, uh, doesn't Asuka stab it? I don't know. It doesn't. They both, they stab, both stab it. it. Okay, well. Shinji's just got but, the central eye. But then the thing explodes, which I'm like, wasn't that the thing that was going to happen anyway? <laughs> uh, what, what was going to happen instead of, like, supposedly like, the thing... It's the sci-fi plot device of, basically, when when you have enough speed coming from the atmosphere, you can, like, weaponize, like, asteroids and shit. Yeah. That's basically what they would be doing. Okay, so, like, the impact is still... They were going to use its body as a kinetic. So it weapon. was going to be an even bigger, like, a much bigger explosion if they didn't even stop it. Yeah. Gotcha. Like, well... They were going to Yucatan the place. The difference is, had it landed, it would have been full-on explosion, self-sacrificing force. This is, it kind of popped like a balloon and some of that force just went with it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, because I was like, well, it was supposed to, like, they they have a good joke, though, earlier where it's like, oh, if this lands, it's going to, like, create, like, a third whatever lake because it's just going to take all these bottles of water and make it one giant body of water. Which I thought was pretty funny. Here's a giant thing. Gendo calls back in from the South Pole and praises Shinji over his job in debriefing. Mm-hmm. Senpai noticed. Yep. Shinji says... Yeah, like, Shinji's very taken aback by this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Misato's fucking broke, and they go to Ramen instead. Well, no. What happens uh, was she's like, I took out all my money to do this thing that I promised, and the kids are like... We know you don't have a lot of money. Let's just go get ramen. And also because Ray could actually come and eat something. That's that's not what that happens. That is what she happens. Said, before payday, let's go get ramen. No. No, no, no. It's the kids. What's the bit about payday? The, the bit about payday is like, I took out a, a fortune to pay for dinner, you know, like a full course meal. And then she says to herself, like an internal monologue. Yeah, but it's right before payday. So like, she's probably broke as fuck, but she took out the money to do it. And then the kids are like, let's go to this ramen uh, cart instead, because we know you don't have enough, a lot of money, so like, let's not milk you for it. And then fucking known monster Asuka just gets shark fin. I would try shark fin. It's what pretty is good. It? Is, is it bad? I'm sure you would. <laughs> it's pretty good. 
Sounds delicious. Uh, and then Shinji says he finally understood why Prince makes him happy when uh, Gendo praised him. And then the episode ends. Yeah, and well, Asuka calls him stupid one more time. And I, I, I kind of think she's right in this case because this desire to be, you know, I there's this real weird thing where you have like a father who's like clearly emotionally abusive. And yet, despite knowing he's emotionally abusive, Shinji still wants recognition and uh, affection from him in a way that's just really deeply sad to me. <laughs> well, it's because Shinji doesn't connect to anyone at all, right? Mm-hmm. He's very busy with, what can I do that will make this person think well of me, and as a result can never connect with a person? Right. So, really, the only person he has is Gendo, because Gendo's his only family. Well, it's, it's true it's his only family, but I think he's like starting to at least... You know, we see connection with Masato and hey, he's still got a couple of friends that show up every now and then, you know, it's he is like growing his acquaintances to some degree. But like the thing is, that's still not the same as, you know, parental affection. It it, it can never be the same thing as parental affection. So, like, I don't know, like when when it sees his face, you show his face at the end and he's like smiling and I'm just like, oh, God, no. Like, this is supposed to be heartwarming, but it's not. <laughs> At least to me. So what do we think of the episodes? Very good stretch. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, like I said, the I think the character work between Masato and Shinji is the best parts of these these two episodes, for sure. Like, this is this is clearly now in rewatch, or like the beginning of the Depression arc. Mm-hmm. Also, this this age, this uh, last angel attack is, like, enormous. It's like half a movie in the rebuilds. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. How are they going to even fit? Like, I I don't even know how they're going to end up finishing the story then with only four (laughs) movies. Right. Right. Like, I feel like you keep saying like, oh, this part of the show, which is like one episode is like half a movie. Then there's all that other shit that happens. So the diamond one with the sniper rifle is two episodes in the show. And that's half of the first movie. This one is half of the other movie, but not for the reason you would think. Huh. I'm I'm going to be very curious how this happens. They don't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, this is the end of the continuity between the two. Yeah, it kind of breaks after this. Interesting. Very excited. Uh, that's all for now. Next episode, we will be talking about... Can't count. 13 and 14. See you then. Next time, we'll talk about Lilliputian Hitcher. Enjoy!